rather than stability. And it is partly because, for centuries, financial services in countries all over the world were disproportionately provided by members of ethnic or religious minorities, who had been excluded from land ownership or public office, but enjoyed success in finance because of their own tight-knit networks of kinship and trust. Despite our deeply rooted prejudices against filthy lucre, however, money is the root of most progress. To adapt a phrase from Jacob Bronowski, whose marvellous television history of scientific progress I watched avidly as a schoolboy, the ascent of money has been essential to the ascent of man. Far from being the work of mere leeches intent on sucking the life's blood out of indebted families or gambling with the savings of widows and orphans, financial innovation has been an indispensable factor in man's advance, from wretched subsistence to the giddy heights of material prosperity that so many people know today. The evolution of credit and debt was as important as any technological innovation in the rise of civilization from ancient Babylon to present-day Hong Kong. Banks and the bond market provided the material basis for the splendors of the Italian Renaissance. Corporate finance was the indispensable foundation of both the Dutch and British empires, just as the triumph of the United States in the twentieth century was inseparable from advances in insurance, mortgage finance, and consumer credit. Perhaps, too, it will be a financial crisis that signals the twilight of American global primacy. Behind each great historical phenomenon there lies a financial secret, and this book sets out to illuminate the most important of these. For example, the Renaissance created such a boom in the market for art and architecture because Italian bankers like the Medici made fortunes by applying Oriental mathematics to money. The Dutch Republic prevailed over the Habsburg Empire because having the world's first modern stock market was financially preferable to having the world's biggest silver mine. The problems of the French monarchy could not be resolved without a revolution because a convicted Scots murderer had wrecked the French financial system by unleashing the first stock market bubble and bust. It was Nathan Rothschild, as much as the Duke of Wellington, who defeated Napoleon at Waterloo. It was financial folly, a self-destructive cycle of defaults and devaluations that turned Argentina from the world's sixth richest country in the 1880s into the inflation-ridden basket case of the 1980s. Listen to this book and you will understand why, paradoxically, the people who live in the world's safest country are also the world's most insured. You will discover when and why the English-speaking peoples developed their peculiar obsession with buying and selling houses. Perhaps most importantly, you will see how the globalization of finance has, among many other things, blurred the old distinction between developed and emerging markets, turning China into America's banker, the communist creditor to the capitalist debtor, a change of epochal significance. At times, the ascent of money has seemed inexorable. In 2006, the measured economic output of the entire world was around $47 trillion. The total market capitalization of the world's stock markets was $51 trillion, 10% larger. The total value of domestic and international bonds was $68 trillion, 50% larger. The amount of derivatives outstanding was $473 trillion, more than ten times larger. Planet finance is beginning to dwarf planet Earth, and planet finance seems to spin faster too. 
Every day, $2 trillion change hands on foreign exchange markets. Every month, $7 trillion change hands on global stock markets. Every minute of every hour of every day of every week, someone somewhere is trading. And all the time, new financial life forms are evolving. In 2006, for example, the volume of leveraged buyouts, takeovers of firms financed by borrowing, surged to $753 billion. An explosion of securitization, whereby individual debts like mortgages are tranched, then bundled together and repackaged for sale, pushed the total annual issuance of mortgage-backed securities, asset-backed securities, and collateralized debt obligations above $3 trillion. The volume of derivatives, contracts derived from securities such as interest rate swaps or credit default swaps, CDS, has grown even faster.